Welcome back in, everyone, to a fantastic new Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are so excited about the guests we have today on our show and the show they're bringing to share with us. Joining us, we have the creators Alex Vernon and Sarah Olmsted thomas They are part of the show Marooned, a space comedy, which is part of the upcoming festival Puppetopia. It's playing March 5th through the 10th at Here Art Space, and you can get your tickets and more information by visiting here.org. We are already huge fans of these two artists as they're part of a theater company we love, Happenstance Theater, but now they're here to talk to us about this great puppet show. So with that, let us welcome on our guests, Alex, Sarah, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Andrew. So happy to be here. And uh, hello, all you out there in podcast listening land. We're so happy to be whispering with you today. <laughs> in the wings. I love, yes, John, you guys are hired for our promotion. I'm oh, so- thank God. <laughs> I needed this job so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm so excited to have the two of you on our show to be talking about this wonderful new work that you've got called Maroon, a space comedy. Alex, could we start with you and have you tell us a bit about what this show is about? Absolutely. Marooned, a space comedy is about an astronaut who crash lands her spaceship on an uncharted planet at the far reaches of outer space. And then her struggle to get back home, having to deal with strange creatures and anomalous atmosphere and just sort of every obstacle in the book, having to overcome trying to get back home. And it's funny. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Well, Sarah, how did the two of you come up with the idea for the show? Well, we are a resident company at Baltimore Theater Project, and Chris Fingston, who runs Baltimore Theater Project, asked, you know, offered us a spot in his season, and we thought, well, this is a good opportunity to do our sci-fi show. We had a catalog in our minds of shows that we'd been wanting to create, either based on a theme or a genre, and Alex encouraged our creative process in the direction of this the sci-fi genre and offered the idea that I could be the astronaut and he could be the robot and from there we created a show (laughs) yeah it's sort of you know I love sci-fi and especially like old 50s 60s kind of pulp sci-fi sometimes even like you know the the pulp sci-fi novels with the really great pulp art covers I just love those a lot of times more than the stories that are in there just because they're so evocative and so I love the sort of images that that creates and then also exploring the idea of kind of classic sci-fi trope of you know being stranded and the the attempt to get back home, but then having a fun spin on it in in our own comedic take, but then also exploring, you know, themes of isolation and loneliness and wanting to return back to normal, which was interesting because we first started working on it in 2019 and we got a grant from the Jim Henson Foundation to further develop it. And it was supposed to have its big premiere in 2020. Oops. Oops. So... (laughs) The pandemic hit and and our premiere date got delayed and we were like everyone isolating at home. 
And that date just kept getting sort of pushed back and back and back. And we were in a sense, uh, in a, we were in a state of uncertainty and isolation and loneliness and just like the themes of the show and also realizing, oh, now our audience globally, no matter who comes to see the show eventually has that shared experience of, oh my God, I'm all alone. And, and <laughs> I just want to get back to, to home, whatever that means. So then during the pandemic, our development of the show, it was very much informed by that, knowing that we all had this sort of shared experience. That is so fantastic. I love the fact that you got a grant from the Jim Henson Foundation. That's incredible. I love that. I love the the history of the show. Now, I want to make sure I understand everything right. The upcoming performance at Here Art Center, is that the world premiere of the show or have you played it elsewhere? We've played it elsewhere. The upcoming performance at Here Art Center is the New York premiere. So we have never performed it in the state of New York, nor the city of New York. And we premiered it in Baltimore, this version in 2022. And we've since played it in Santa Fe, New Mexico at the Santa Fe Playhouse. We've played it at the Detroit Institute of Art in Michigan. We've played it in Tennessee at the Governor's School of the Arts in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And very recently we performed it there's one more. We performed it at the Puppeteers of America Festival this past summer at the University of Maryland in College Park, Maryland. And we played it in Chicago last month. So mm-hmm. we've been working our way around the country, <laughs> and floating now, through space. <laughs> now here you come to New York. So this is very exciting. Alex, let me start with you. What has it been like developing this current, this upcoming iteration of Marooned, a space comedy? Like Sarah said, being able to tour around it and perform it in so many different places, especially around the country, different places, not just having like a long run either in your hometown theater or a long run at even a theater out of town, getting that wide variety of audiences and different venues has really helped us hone in on on what's universally funny or universally touching or universally moving. And I feel like that's been such a benefit. One of the things that we love about creating our own work is that we can constantly change and tweak things. So you know, we don't sit down and write a script and then have a little workshop and then perform it. And then that's what it is. We have the freedom to change it from night to night or, you know, on a two show day, we can do a matinee and be like, Ooh, I really felt this. Let's try it, you know, a little bit different in the evening performance, which we love to do. Oh my gosh. Like somebody described it recently. I think it was even Basil when he's uh, Basil Twist, who will be there at Puppetopia and is, of course, helping organize it. And one of the curators. He saw our our setup in Chicago at a festival there. Uh, and we were showing him, oh, here's how we can control all the sound from on stage. And here's how we, we control our own projector dowsing. And here's how we control everything. And he was like, oh, yeah, of course, because you're puppeteers. Like, you want control over everything. <laughs> and so <laughs> as much as can be controlled 
in live theater, which is a different branch of the conversation, but All right. it's some it's a it's a platform that is by nature incredibly risky because you can plan as well as you you may and you do as best you can, but things are want to go wrong or to go sideways. And then it's the miraculous act of thinking on the spot and adjusting. But regardless, yes, this being able to have our hands in all of the pies of creation, whether it's running our own sound through the show or making changes to the show that exists because we feel like we're growing and we're changing. And so the show as such must change with us. I love all of that. And I almost like in the back of my mind, I was like, so you're saying it's not the same show twice. Now I have to come back again and again. So with all of this going on and a great comedy in your hands, literally, is there a message or a thought you're hoping that audiences will take away? And Sarah, can I start with you on that first? Surely. I think the greatest takeaway is that no matter how alone you feel, you're not really alone. Simple idea in some ways, but I think part of our humanity has us hardwired to get stuck in spots where we feel like our pain or our suffering is so personal, no one else could possibly understand. Or it's so, it is so personal and, and so private somehow that no one could know what we're going through. And that's what we dramatize in this show. And again, it is a comedy. <laughs> I, I feel like I keep having to put this out there. It is a funny show too. But but the baseline is this astronaut, she is, she's lost in space on an unknown planet and her oxygen's running out. Pretty dire. And she tries everything and everything doesn't work. And that's very funny, the different ways that they don't work out. But the reality is she couldn't feel more alone. And then we, we, we go there and then we, we actively with the show and with the audience and with the puppets bring her and bring the experience of this, this particular piece to a, to a, this, a very resonant reminder that you're not in it on, a, on your own. There, there are others there for you listening, witnessing. And I believe that it's a very hopeful message. I like that. I like that a lot. Alex, what about you? What is the message or thought you hope audiences take away? Mm. I I feel like Sarah pretty much summed it up. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I, I think one of the things I was thinking about in, in first developing the show too was sort of the phenomenon of it's like, it's so human to the desire to want to be alone. And then when you are alone to be like, oh God, I'm so lonely. I just wish I had people around. And then you're around people and you're like, oh God, I need space. <laughs> <laughs> so like sort of the, the, the idea that made me want to, for us to explore like a marooned isolation piece was that phenomenon of like, you know, taking that concept and, and turning it up to 11. So like, okay, well, how, if you wanna be alone, how alone can you get? Let's send you, uh, you know, 100,000 light years away from earth 
like, <laughs> and, and you get your, your yayas out and your adventurous spirit out being alone for a while. And you have the desire to return home. Like, can you, you know, but like Sarah said, it's, uh, I feel like the takeaway that we want audiences to have, and that is what we, we get feedback from them after the show talking with folks is sort of how much they were, they were cheering the main character on and how uplifting it was and how I think a lot of people talk about, they were, they were surprised at a lot of the moments, how touching it was, and they weren't expecting that. And I don't think we were expecting that going into it, making the show. So I think just mutual discovery, mutual discovery (laughs) and, and just, yeah, feeling not so alone. And having some laughs. And having some laughs. laughs. Let's do some hearty har hars. I mean, comedy literally is in the name. So, yeah. <laughs> well, those are wonderful ideas. And now we are at the final question for the first part of our interview, which is who do you hope have access to Marooned? And, Alex, I'm going to start with you on this one. I hope that we get people at the show who have never seen puppet theater before. Here, here. We love talking with folks after the show who say, oh, I I didn't know that's what puppet theater was or could be, you know, especially here in the States. Many people have that preconception of, oh, puppetry is for kids or puppetry is the Muppets. and, And that's the only kind of puppetry there is. And there's such a wide world of puppetry out there, both of styles, but content and and the way it's performed and, and the themes it can cover. And that really excites me is to have people in the audience who have never been to a puppet show or they've been to one, but it was a totally different one. And people who might have been dragged by a partner and they're a little skeptical about like, I don't know, we're seeing a puppet show. And then the, being pleasantly surprised. Yes. Welcome to the world. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Sarah, bring us home on this question. Who do you hope have access? Oh, I agree with Alex. I hope, I hope all have access. I love all audiences. <laughs> Except. <laughs> Except. <laughs> no, just kidding. No, I think... I, what Alex shared really resonates with me. I love it, especially when people come and they, they share. I didn't, didn't think that a puppet show could be like this and how wonderful to be able to be a part of opening someone's mind about an art form. And maybe it'll plant the seed for them to take a chance on another puppet show down the road or sign up for a puppet workshop because it put a, bug in their ear about you know exploring that aspect of their creative persona I mean I I love being a part of discovery myself I mean (laughs) as an audience member seeing a show and getting inspired to try something or to be exposed to something for the first time and that it's very stimulating and exciting and so hopefully we can we can give back in that way, in the ways that other theater has given so much to us.
Well, for the second part of our interview, we love to give our listeners a chance to get to know our guests a little bit better. Pull the curtain back, if you will. And I want to start by asking the two of you our perennial first question, which is what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you in the past or are just some of your favorites? And Sarah, if I could start with you first on that, that would be amazing. Sure. Well, I love ballet and I grew up dancing ballet. My mom was a ballerina. She was my teacher. So I love the great ballets and I especially love George Balanchine. So that, that inspires me. Music inspires me. I'm, I find, I think very musically and I express myself musically as a writer too, when we're, when we're building shows together, there's an element of the writing process that's choreographic. Uh, I'm often taking notes on sequences of movement Granted, we do a lot of movement theater in our pieces, but I think musically, and I think in terms of composition, if this were a symphony, this would be the first movement or this would be the refrain. So I would say George Balanchine, love love his choreography, dance choreography. I love the, the great old style composers when it comes to music. And I love fairy tales and elements of fantasy. And so Terry Gilliam films, Baron Munchausen, <laughs> and anything that that involves sequences of fantasy, beauty, or comedy. Also Lucille Ball is a big hero. <laughs> I love that list. Some incredible, incredible artists on that list. So wonderful. Alex, what about you? What are who inspires you? The first name that comes to mind for my inspirations would be Ronnie Burkett, who is a amazing marionettist uh, in Canada based out of Toronto. And he's just been performing forever. And he, he, just brings marionette theater, modern marionette theater to such a high level, both in the performance and the building and, and writing that he's just inspiring generations of, of puppeteers. He's also incredibly knowledgeable about the history of puppetry, about past techniques, about past puppeteers, and, and can speak at length about that history very passionately. I love his his building style, his attention to detail, his consideration for every artistic element in a production. I find that really inspiring. I'm also very inspired by the films of Georges Méliès. <laughs> Magicians! <laughs> love, I love magic, especially Georges Méliès' silent films. You're probably everyone's probably most familiar with the the trip to the moon, voyage to the moon one, where the rocket ship gets stuck in the moon's eye. I just love those films. I find them so creative and playful, and you know, it's a it's a perfect example of you know having fun with new mediums because he started as a stage magician, and then you know, film came around, and rather than you know, like a lot of old vaudeville performers that were like, oh, well, 
now I'm out of work or, or like if I do my act on film, then I, I won't be able to do the circuit anymore because they have this film of me doing it. And <laughs> I'm so used to only having five minutes of material that I can go around the country for my whole life doing that now I feel threatened. But he just like jumped into it and he was like, great. What can you do with film that you can't do live? And I feel like you can apply that to every art and you should be applying that to every art. Mm. So when we are creating a puppet show and we're, we're figuring out what happens in it or what twists occur, we're, we're always trying to ask ourselves, what can you do in puppetry that you can't do with live actors or on film or in a, in a, a written word novel form or in a song? There's so many different mediums and finding what's super unique about the medium in which you're performing and really taking advantage of that so that an audience leaving, even if they're not consciously thinking it, they know, oh, puppetry is the only way that this story could be told. You know, you could create a film version of it, but it would be a totally different beast. Whenever we make a new puppet show, we have to justify why puppetry. Why in making this show is it necessary for us to have puppets as characters? And that question and justification becomes an integral part of the writing process and is an important question to ask too. If we're going to use this medium, why? Why is this medium necessary? And then inevitably, the choices we make from that point of departure are more fully integrated in what to what's necessary to this show. Love that. So well put. Both of you, wonderful inspirations. I love, love these answers. I would love to now know from the two of you, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? And Alex, I'm going to stick with you first on this. Mm. I think my favorite part about working in the theater is that it blends so many different jobs that I love to do, especially running, co-running a two-person theater company in which we're writing everything, building everything, performing everything, creating the posters for the shows. All of those elements are, are things that I love to do. And the fact that you're not having to wake up every morning and just do the same job over and over gives you that variety that keeps it fresh every time. Mm. I used to work over hire carpentry for a lot of theaters. So when their in-house scenic carpenter staff was behind on a project, they'd call their overhire list and I'd be on that list and I'd go in and, and help take up the slack. And that was super fun, but I wasn't auditioning at the time. And it was before I met Sarah and even really found puppetry. So I was doing a lot of scenic carpentry and prop building and painting. And that was great, but it's only one flavor. And I like to have a lot of flavors in my ice cream scoops. <laughs> You're a Sunday kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's nothing wrong. Like if there are people out there that are like, oh no, I, I really like Rocky Road ice cream and I want it that's all I want. I want three scoops of Rocky Road. That's totally fine. Like if that's what brings you joy and and you feel 
fulfilled, then more power to you. I just love a lot of different flavors. (laughs) I love it. Sarah, what about you? What is your favorite part about working in the theater? I mean, there's no business like show business, like no business I know. (laughs) I mean, let me, but let's talk about it honestly. I love theater people. I love having a horrible day and coming to the theater and I have to become someone else. My mind has to focus very intensely on something else and that's bigger than me and more important. I love the liminal space in the wings, in that hot spot zone right before the show starts. I love the vibrational energy between the audience and the performer. I love being in theaters. I love in the audience. I love being in theaters on the stage. I I love that a theater is like this microcosm of life, life being so big and undefinable and so many things. And then we all go into this room and we make this beautiful box with these gorgeous lights. And we tell one story that is evocative and pulls from the chaos of life, a few distilled images or feelings that resonate with all. I mean, it's an engagement to me that feels so fun and also so important. And I love the labor of it even too, and how it challenges me. And as Alex mentioned, being many things, we run a puppet theater company. So by nature, we we are exercising different parts of our brains, different skills, needing to learn new things. And it, I find it a very stimulating engagement. Is such a fabulous answer. <laughs> Kicked off with a brilliant song. Get the <laughs> proud of you somewhere. <laughs> and thank you. Thank you. My favorite question to ask guests, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? My favorite theater memory was seeing Full Moon with Bill Irwin and David Shiner on Broadway when I was a kid, and. I'll never forget the way my dad was laughing in the audience and I was laughing too. There was this sense of being in this enormous theater packed to the gills and everyone belly laughing. It felt like the most exciting thing. And there were these excellent moments of audience participation. I remember being in the lobby afterwards and thinking, was this a plant? This woman, she was on stage. She was amazing, but I think she was just like me. She was just a person sitting in the audience. And and the porousness of that, all of a sudden someone sitting close to me in the crowd could go up on the stage and make everyone laugh beyond, beyond measure was very, very exciting. It was like, it was a formative moment in my child brain, theater brain, creative mind about what what a live theater experience can do. And being in a room of that much laughter is still one of my favorite things. I love comedy and it's the theater. We, we end up making shows that have a lot of comedy in them. And I feel feel laughter is very important. So a lot has a lot has stemmed from that formative event. 
That is a wonderful memory, though. I love, love, love that. Alex, how about you? What is your favorite theater memory? The memory that comes to mind is with our group Happenstance Theater. And it was a few years ago, we were on a, a summer tour doing sort of East Coast in the van. And we were performing in, in Red Hook there in New York City. And there's an amazing little venue slash museum there called the Waterfront Barge Museum. And it's a little floating barge. It's actually floating on the water there. It's on its own little dock. There are no other ships or barges or, or boats around. And the, the man who runs it has turned it not only into below deck, his home that he's raised a family in, but the above deck is sort of a, a museum to barges there on the Hudson, but also a performance venue. So there's a little stage and you can fit, what, probably about 50 chairs or so, mm -hmm. um, folding chairs that, that come up. And we were doing a little circus show of ours called Preposterous. So my favorite theater moment is all of us sitting backstage together and backstage is like, behind a, an old canvas curtain on a floating barge surrounded by, you know, coiled up ropes and pulleys and metal canisters of, of oil and ship repair stuff and all these tools and everything. And we're all just sort of here on little, you know, bits of benches, putting our little traveling makeup cases and little bits of mirror and the daylight streaming in through the open door. The, the door which goes out to the water. <laughs> mm -hmm. And the whole barge is sort of gently swaying and everything. And just like, you know, putting on our makeup before the show and looking down and seeing the rest of the company and having that moment of like, oh, my God, this is my life. It's such a great memory as well. Thank you both for those two fantastic memories. Yeah, actually, the owner of the barge, David Sharps, was a performer on cruise ships. He was a juggler. And so I think he got that real love of being on the water. And then when he decided to settle down a little bit, he found this old barge that had run ashore and was totally filled with mud. And I think he bought it for like 200 bucks and spent a year shoveling out mud and fixing it up himself. And now it's this magical space. That's amazing. Well, as we wrap things up, I would love to know, do you have any other projects or productions coming in the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? Absolutely. We have this weekend performing <laughs> a, a drift of Medieval Wayward Folly with Happenstance Theater. We have in next weekend... Marooned, a space comedy at Here Arts Center, as you know. Following, at the end of March, we have a two-week run of our show Hubba Hubba at Baltimore Theater Project in Baltimore. Hubba Hubba is a show about romantic love. Hubba Hubba. Hubba Hubba. With puppets. Hubba Hubba. And down, further down the scheduling zone, we are going to premiere a new puppet show at Baltimore's Black Cherry Puppet Theater in June. This new puppet show is called Happy Birthday Mon Ami. 
Oui, oui. You can also check out blackcherry.org, that's Black Cherry Puppet Theater's website, for all their upcoming shows and slams and everything. We like to perform at their puppet slams as often as our schedule will allow. But even if we're not performing there and you're in the Baltimore area, you should stop by Black Cherry Puppet Theater to see some amazing puppet work. Mm-hmm. And if you're in Baltimore, also check out Baltimore Theater Project. They are have an incredible lineup and will invariably have a show that will suit your fancy. It's so wonderful. Now I do just want to add a little tag in there because Alex, you mentioned an event that happens all around the country that we had spoken about earlier, which is Puppet Slam. Can you just elaborate a little bit more for our listeners? Yes. So puppet slams are are incredible. They're evenings of short form puppet theater, usually for adults. The acts are usually between like three to five minutes, sometimes seven-ish. But you, you go out, it's usually in the evening. It's oftentimes folks who are trying things out for the first time. So you really get to see sort of a, a new piece in the works Oftentimes the presenters will also bring in, you know, some ringers that have performed either a piece several times, or they're just a more accomplished performer who is is familiar with the, the medium. So you really get an amazing variety of puppetry styles and performances. And if you just search for Puppet Slam Network in your search engine of choice, you'll be able to find probably your local Puppet Slam. If you yourself are out there interested in puppetry and learning more about puppetry, I encourage you to try and find your local puppetry guild. You can find the national one at puppeteers.org. That's the Puppeteers of America. And you should be able to, on that website, find a list of local guilds if you want to find who are your local puppeteers and who do you want to connect with. Right, the puppeteers in your region. Yeah, we're both board members of the National Capital Puppetry Guild, which is sort of the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area puppetry guild. We're super big supporters of local guilds. And that guild actually invites folks from all around the world to join because we, ever since the pandemic, have started having all our meetings and workshops and performances online. So that way, if you don't have a local guild or if you have a local guild, but you want to join yet another big one, you can find the National Capital Puppetry Guild. What a great pitch there. I love Yeah. Do you like how I rhymed guild with guild? (laughs) It was flawless. It was seamless. That rhyming dictionary did not need to get purchased. I know. Yeah. It's a scam. (laughs) It sounds like you have a lot of irons in the fire, which is very exciting and a great lead into my final question, which is if our listeners would like more information about Marooned, a space comedy, or about either of you, maybe they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so? The best way is on our social medias. You can find us on Instagram at Alex and Olmsted and is spelled out A-N-D and Olmsted is O-L-M-S-T-E-D. And we can get back to messages on that. You can also check out our website, alexandolmsted.com, which has upcoming shows. It has links to videos and stuff we've made. You can check out our YouTube channel. If you just search for Alex and Olmsted, we have not only short puppetry videos that we've made, but also tutorials on how to build things and specific building techniques. 
And we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Alex Olmstead, where we share behind the scenes looks at our build process. We share exclusive videos for our patrons about theaters we're performing at, at we give, you know, we share unique news about what's going on in our business and how we run our company. And as we mentioned before, we wear so many hats. So yeah, and and Patreon has been a huge, huge help to our career. You know, it's it's so hard to support yourself as an artist, especially in the States where there's not a great deal of government funding, that being able to reach out and let friends and family and strangers know, hey, if you want to support, I'd be open to it. So many people do want to help and are in a, are in a position to help. So that's been a really, really big help to us. Mm-hmm. Oh, amen. Same yeah. here. Same mm-hmm. here. <laughs> well, wonderful. Alex, Sarah, thank you both so, so much for your time today, for speaking with me, for sharing this amazing show and just all the wonderful insight that you, you stopped by to share with us. So thank you very much. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thank you, all you out there in podcast listening land. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, new friends. Thank you for joining us in the wings of these discussions about theater and life. (laughs) And remember, don't touch a prop if it isn't yours. My guests today have been the creators, Alex Vernon and Sarah Olmstead Thomas, both who have created this great work that is playing at Puppetopia. The work is called Marooned, a space comedy, and you can catch it March 5th through the 10th at Here Arts Center. Get your tickets and more information by visiting here.org. We also have some contact information for our guests, which we'll be posting on our social media post, as well as on our episode description. But make sure you don't miss out on this hilarious show, this wonderful puppet show, Marooned, a space comedy, playing March 5th through the 10th. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez, reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.